Hello, my name is Josh, and I'm the media director here at Christian Life Austin, and I would like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Today, we welcome international recording artist and worship leader from Cornerstone Church in San Antonio, Texas, our friend, Ricardo Sanchez. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. And I kind of want to share a little bit of my heart with you. And as you're opening up your Bibles, we're going to go to verse 36 of Matthew 26. About a month ago, I was asked to take a group of people to the country of Israel, the state of Israel. And I was asked by my pastor to bring a group of millennial leaders. Because there's this political slant that Christians are taking that's anti-Israel and pro-enemy of Israel. And what my pastor, a ministry that he started was Israel Collective. And they raise money and they communicate to leaders, Christian leaders and leaders throughout the United States and different parts of the world. And they send them to Israel. And they hear from the Palestinian pastors, the Palestinian politicians, the Israeli pastors and politicians and rabbis. And they share their perspective. And I'm telling you, it was straight down the middle, 50-50. It wasn't Fox, it wasn't CNN, it was right down the middle. Does anyone know what I'm saying? Come on, touch somebody and say, don't be so religious tonight. It's all right. And I remember, it's my second time to Israel. And the first takeaway for me was I had recognized places that Peter had lived and, and, and how they, they built monuments to where the apostles prayed, the Sea of Galilee. They, they built mausoleums and things on the earth had been shifted and adjusted, and, and rightly so to a large degree. And I remember sitting on the Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus taught, and I remember looking over the Sea of Galilee and looking at the horizon, the topography. And I thought to myself, my takeaway was, you know, a lot of things on the earth have shifted and changed. And I thought about that in my walk with the Lord. How things in front of us seem to shift, seem to morph, and seem to change. But what never changes is what's up there. That topography and that horizon. Things on the earth grow faintly dim in the light of His glory And of his grace. This trip I remember walking. Through the garden of Gethsemane. And they've built a a huge beautiful church. Right in the garden. There's olive trees all around. And I remember sitting in this church. And looking less than a quarter of a mile. Off to the. Off to Golgotha. Where Jesus was crucified. And I was thinking the pressure that he must have felt in this location, general location. You understand. And I would look out and I would see the skull. And I would sit there and I just begin to weep. Because I could, I could slowly begin to comprehend to a small degree the challenge that Jesus, the Son of God, must have been facing Some 2,000 years ago. 
Verse 36 says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here. Somebody say, sit here. Now that's a pretty direct and pretty simple thing for anyone to do. I don't need an Xbox controller in front of me. I don't need a bejeweled app to be playing. God says, sit. And what do you think you're supposed to do? The rest of you will get it slowly. Yes, sit. I too am a C average student, but that's okay. We'll move on. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Now you can understand why. Jesus was walking through something emotionally. Which I love this about my Savior. Because when I first came into the kingdom of God, I thought, you know what? I don't look like Pastor Randy. And I don't act like Pastor Rex. And I don't understand how Pastor Mitch can be so calm. There's chaos all around. I'm not like them. I'm not good enough to be a Christian like them. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I read this out of Matthew. I thought, I struggle too. Jesus in the garden was experiencing struggle. And he's the son of God. Are you with me? Verse 38 says, Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Verse 39 says, He went a little farther. Somebody said, say, a little farther. I love how the Son of God always goes further than us. You see it? God, ain't nobody know what I'm going through. He's been there. Ain't nobody experienced what I've experienced. He's been there. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. I know your child is going wayward, but you're not alone in the name of Jesus. Jesus just said, sit and wait. He didn't say, get up, memorize the book of Deuteronomy, start walking, speaking in tongues, prophesy, interpret the prophetic word, talk about dispensational theology, and then I will appear. Just sit down. I'm God, you ain't. Just sit down. I know it looks crazy down here, but I know what is going on up there. Just sit down. Calm down. Don't worry about what's before you. I've already experienced what's before you. Just calm down. Son, you ain't fooling anybody because I'd already been there. Just sit down. Just quit lying and just sit down. Stop manipulating and just sit down. It got awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church. I, I Somebody asked me what I'm looking for. 
I'm looking for an amen. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure I was at CLC, you know what I'm saying? I just want to make sure I was in the right place. Look at somebody and say, just sit down. The Bible says in verse 39, he went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, regardless of what happens next. Nevertheless, not as I will, not as I've planned for, not as I've calculated within my finances, within my mind, not as have I determined with my own natural understanding. Nevertheless, not as I will. Not as I want, not as I demand, not as I command. God, let it pass. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I don't, I don't know where we got off the bus thinking that when we got born again that everything was going to be perfect. I don't know what you drank that night where the next morning you wake up having these visions of grandeur that you thought you were all that in a bag of chips when you thought the world revolved around you and all that you wanted. But I read in the Gospels, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. It ain't for the weak at heart. It ain't going to fill up your Sunday school church. But this millennial generation isn't looking for something wishy-washy. You know why the homosexual agenda is prospering? Because they believe in the homosexual agenda. Because they're actually getting up and getting out of their comfort zone. And it's no longer them who live, but that spirit that lives within them that they're obeying and that they're going to the polls and voting for. Let me tell you something really clear and real specific. I love everybody. I'm as much of a sinner. Do you understand? Sin is sin. But sin is sin. Call it what it is. Verse 40 says, Then he came, say Jesus came. He came to his disciples and found them sleeping. All I asked you to do was to sit. Nothing more. Nothing less. All I asked you to do was live for me. All I asked you to do was let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
All I asked you to do was to keep your word. That's all I asked you to do. Man, I thought you were a worship leader. Well, I am. Man, I just thought you were a songwriter. Well, where do you think the songs come from? You don't write a song like moving forward when nothing's stopping you from moving forward. You write a song like it's not over. Because you're in the crucible. You have to look up and see hope. You have to look up and see a cross. Again, a second time, he went and prayed, saying, My father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, I drink it. Your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy. And this is what I want to talk to you about tonight. That sometimes life can get heavy. Sometimes life can force us in a position where we're on the defense. I get it. I've got three boys. I've been married for 17 years. The most beautiful woman in the world. And sometimes your eyes get heavy. Traveling around the world. God's answering prayer at a rapid pace. And your heart isn't ready to receive all that God wants. And things get heavy. Schedules get heavy. Time gets heavy. Finances get heavy. And all you know is to put one foot in front of the other and just say, God, I'm doing what I know to do. Help me. I know. I know I ain't up to par, but God, help me. He found them asleep again because their eyes were heavy in verse 44. So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time. Somebody say, the third time. I'm so grateful that there's a third time. I'm so, I'm so grateful that there's a fourth time and a fifth time and a sixth time and a seventh time. I'm so grateful for grace. But let me be honest with you. My grace, my God doesn't give me grace as a crutch to limp through and excuse my sorry self. Well, I know I'm born again, but I still got issues with drugs. I know, I know but God's grace. Oh, I know I'm born again, and I know I stole all that money for, from you, but God's grace. God's grace is not a crutch. God's grace is a catapult that launches you from the old man to the new man, from a sinner to a saint in the name of Jesus. I believe God's grace can be defined as accountability. Accountability for who we are and our actions and an accountability for who God is and his actions. I've come to know in my life, though my sin may be great, God's grace will always be greater than my sin. Look at somebody and say, that's good, preaching right up. (laughs) 
Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the sun is resting. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, and let's be going. My betrayer is at hand. Jesus came to die for the very people that betrayed him. Let me ask you a question. If we're to be more like Jesus, if we're to be more like God, and God never changes, you see it? If we are to be more like God, and God never changes, then guess who has to change? Nothing ain't going to get better unless you get up. Two kind of people, what I learned with Pastor Heggie, man. Every Sunday is an event. Hundreds of thousands of people watching. I learned there are two kinds of people in ministry. People that walk up to a mountain, look at it, and then complain about it. And the second kind of person is the people who look at it, put their head down and take a step. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know you're with me. Who could be against me? I know greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. I know the very same power that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells within me. I know that you stick closer to me than a brother. I know that you have a future and the plan for me in my life. I don't know how I'm going to make it, but what I do know is you will never leave me nor forsake me. It's a grown-up sermon tonight, y'all. I didn't come to pet your feathers in the right direction. I didn't come to tell you what you want to hear. I believe I came to tell you what God wanted me to tell you. But Ricardo, I had it all worked out. I had my life all planned. And all of a sudden, booyah, tataisa, patara. That's pretty good. I just made up a new word in the spirit language right there. Ishopitata. I had everything rolling in my direction. And all of a sudden, shikarabasitata. Y'all like boxing? Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. This quote from Joe Lewis, man, is an old-time fighter. He's one of the greats. Everyone has a plan until they've been hit. Sometimes as people, we have a habit of wanting to run from one storm to run from it. But listen to this. Running from the storm will only delay the inevitable. Eventually, the storm will catch up to you and overtake you. But when you turn towards the storm and run into the storm, you'll cross to sunny skies quicker. 
I propose you grab the hand of Jesus, you face the storm, and you start walking through the storm. Most people look for a way out of the storm. Leaders look way for, through the storm. Never forget the pit in Genesis 37. The pit is what qualified Joseph for the palace. The storm will blow away those things, those people, those circumstances that aren't rooted in God. If you allow it to. Jonah experienced it firsthand running from the storm. It will only delay the inevitable. But God, why would this happen? Why would my world start to shake? I'm trying to sit down. I'm trying to obey. I'm tr- but why? Why would my chair get pulled out from under me? Jeanette, Jeanette, Ricardo, Micah, Josiah and I experienced this some four years ago. When Josiah, our middle son, dove into the shallow end of a friend's pool and broke his neck. And the doctors told him he had a 1% chance to live. And all I was doing, I fly to Jacksonville, Florida, to lead worship for the Global Day of Prayer. I wasn't in sin, church. I was obeying God. I wasn't selling crack on the side. I was obeying God. My nose was in the Word of God. I didn't cheat my tithe. I was giving my tithe. I was feeding the hungry and clothing the naked. Training my sons in the way of the Lord and hell broke loose in my life. And you want to know something? I asked God, why? And I realized in that moment that some people get stuck in why. And they end up limping around on that crutch of grace because of the why. And I remember sitting back in Atlanta on my porch Ironically, while the boys were jumping in the pool, because Josiah is healed. My son is healed. It's a miracle what happened to my son. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My son is healed in the name of Jesus. Drop the mic. That's a drop the mic right there, brother. That's, see you, Austin. See you next year right there. That's, that's what. Only a few months later, he was, he was given the most valuable player of his basketball team because he won the championship game. He had 18 points in his basketball game. He's healed in the name of Jesus. But I believe what you do with the why will qualify you for victory or defeat. I suddenly realized that the letter Y has a valley. You see it? Church, you see it? You can get stuck in a valley. And not just good things, but God things can come by you. God relationships. I, I just don't want to get burnt again. Business opportunity. I just don't want to get hurt again. 
not just good stuff, but God's stuff. And you're still stuck in yesterday. Messing with the why. Why did the chair get pulled out from under me and my family and my baby? You want to know how you get over the why? You see the arms of the why? You just picture those arms extended. In worship. Write this down. If your worship doesn't change your situation, your worship will change you. If your worship doesn't change your situation, your worship will inevitably change you. You can't get that close to God and not come out different. The why. Why is it that as people, we want everything easy? When we were told that Josiah broke his C3, 4, 5, and 6, and that he had a 1% chance, we were thrusted into a valley of why. We were facing an it's not over moment. When you face that, it will certainly throw you into a workout room of struggle. Somebody say struggle. Just like Jesus in that garden. You remember? Do you remember? Matthew 26. There's a graduation that occurs at the end of struggle, though, that can catapult you into your next season if you allow it. You must allow yourself to be surrendered. Somebody say surrendered. To struggle. Somebody say surrendered. Somebody lift your hands and say, I surrender. The journey of struggle involves release. Say release. You must fling yourself into the arms of Jesus and thrust yourself into his arms. When you release yourself to the process of struggle, you learn to fight. Somebody say fight. It's okay to fight. Church, it's okay to fight. Every time you walk in this door, you need to get out of the mode of being entertained. You need to get out of the mode of he's going to preach what I want to hear. You need to get out of the mode of, oh, it's all for me. I know how much I give to this church. God don't care what you give to this church. God will find somebody else to give to this church. You ain't that big. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You ain't that important. Look at somebody and say, I need to stop taking myself too seriously. Uh Uh-huh. See what I did there? Yeah, you thought I was going to give you the judgment finger. The Bible is a continued story about men and women who are broken, surrendered to God, and being rebuilt and ultimately being resurrected in the next season of life. Everyone wants the victory, but very few are willing to go through the process of being broken. When we were in the hospital with Josiah, he had endured several sessions of painful physical therapy. And watching our son fight through the crying, through the pain, and through the pressure of his physical body, that his physical body was enduring. It was almost unbearable for Jeanette and I. But the physical therapist taught Jeanette and I a a valuable lesson. They said the quicker Josiah is able to get out of bed 
and get his body moving, the quicker his wounds will heal and his strength would return. Church, I believe the quicker that you face and grab the struggle and begin to fight, the quicker the strength and the healing will come back to your spirit. Look at somebody say, I'm a fighter. Today's generation, I believe, personal opinion, is far from seeing our 13-year-olds as men. I'm not suggesting to throw your 13-year-olds into harm's way. But I found it interesting in the Bible that boys were considered men at the age of 13. And Jewish culture still honors and celebrates the rite of passage, which is a bar mitzvah. In biblical settings at the age of 13, childhood was over and boys would study work as an apprentice at 13. That's why Jesus was a carpenter. He was studying his father's trade. After years of studying, the boys then had an option to become a rabbi or continue with their trade. Interestingly enough, Jesus' disciples were around the age of 13. But I thought they were so much older and wiser. They were teenagers. Interestingly enough, Jesus' disciples were around the age of 13. They were studying under the rabbi, Jesus. Today's generation is far from seeing our 13-year-olds as men. And I'm not suggesting we throw them as teens into the workforce and put them. That would be slave labor. Sweatshop. But sociologists say we are living in a time of extended adolescence. We fail to offer our children the opportunity to face any challenges and figure things out for themselves because we want, we want to make their life comfortable and easy for them. When we take away the opportunity of struggle, we take away the opportunity to learn, to grow, and develop their intelligent muscles. The struggle is where boys and women learn men and womanhood. There is a strength that comes when we learn to fight and take responsibility. As parents and as children of God, you and I must put on the mantle of grown-up believers and embrace the struggle as an opportunity to grow in our faith and grow in our determination and grow in our witness to the world and around us. Gideon took 300 men in judges to fight 120,000 men. World War II, there was a group called the Band of Brothers who would go and fight. And they would get shot. They would get wounded. They would go in to the hospital. They would wake up. They would come back to consciousness, understand where they are, get, pull their IVs out, find the nearest helicopter, get on it, and go back to their brothers at the front line. That's why they're called the greatest generation. It's one of the reasons why. You and I need to stop giving the enemy so much power. 
The Bible says that all authority and all power has been given to Jesus. Let me ask you this. If all authority and all power has been given to Jesus, what authority is left for the devil? All authority and all power has been given to him. How much power does the devil have? You know, a lot of times we see things happen in our life, and I think the devil's sitting over on the side of the curb going, yeah, man, I had nothing to do with that one over there. I'm just minding my... Yeah, yeah, you're the one who let me in. I'm just kind of minding my own business. Oh, it's just a spirit. It's a devil spirit. Just so evil. They, they don't understand my worship. You know, man, I had somebody come up. Yeah, Randy. Hey, they just don't know the cost of my oil. Just stop giving. oil. Meanwhile, the devil's having a third camel. Oh, I swear I'll just sit over here, God. I wouldn't mind messing with them. It's all them. The only power the enemy has is the power that you give him. The only authority the devil has is the authority that you give him. The only strength the enemy has is the strength that you give him. You're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You're an overcomer in Jesus' name. Oh, you you just don't understand, Brother Ricardo. I get the twitches every time I don't do drugs. How long has it been? Two minutes. Tell you what, brother, I get that I get that pain. I understand it. I've sat as heroin addicts are coming down with Metanoia Church. Pastor Jubal Garcia. Their church goes out and picks up heroin addicts in San Antonio. I've sat and held a hand for over 48 hours with the young man. Coming off of heroin. Because he wants to. Because freedom was greater than bondage. He would rather live in freedom or die in freedom than live in heroin. And you're just trying to stop gossiping. Just can't help but gossip. Look what she's wearing. Never again come into this church and allow your pastor to do your praying for you. Is this okay? I know this ain't nobody leave, so you must be a... Uh... You know what I realized? You know, I realized that the sinner, when, when the message gets personal, the heathen leaves. The lay, the lay, you know, the, the hireling leaves. But the son 
the daughter of the house lifts her hands and shouts, keep preaching in the name of Jesus. I need it. I need it. Keep preaching. You're a fighter. Never believe that you're anything less than a fighter. You're an overcomer. And tonight, as they come up and play the keyboard and the key is C, I want you to, tonight, I want you to stand to your feet. Because I want to pray for you. I want to anoint you with oil tonight. And yesterday is gone and today is brand new. And I want you to receive that spirit. The spirit of an overcomer. Listen, it's just olive oil. I'm just a six foot five Latino, 200, none of your business, pound. Easter's been good. Okay, the past five have been good. But I want to anoint you with oil. And I want you to come down if you're in the balcony. I want a, two lines in this center. You know how I'm a recovering Catholic, you know what I'm saying? We take the ostia, we take communion. But before we pray, guys are going to post this on the screen. I want to remind you this. That the Christian life is not a playground. The Christian life is a battleground. So today, I will give no place to failure. I will not accept the trace of apathy in my attitude or my actions. I will reject complacency and embrace the greatness that God has planted inside of me. I will waste no opportunity to glorify God and maximize everything he has entrusted to me. I will fight. My battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual enemy that opposes me. So I will draw the battle lines and face my enemy with a bold determination. My enemy fights against me because he fears me. Every time I resist him, he must flee. Every time he reminds me of my past, I will remind him of his future. I will make no excuses, but through every obstacle, I will find a way. I will not procrastinate my progress. I will not defer my destiny. I will not waver when I'm weak. I will not cower when my circumstances take a turn for the worse. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will fight. Even if I lose the battle, I will win the war because I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I will reject the lies that echo in my mind telling me I don't have what it takes and that my best years are behind me or that humiliation awaits me. The devil is a liar and my God always causes me to triumph through Jesus Christ, my Lord. I will fight. I'm unashamed to represent the kingdom that is unshakable. No one will be able to stand against God's plan for me all the days of my life. With my God, I will advance against every troop. With his help, I will scale every wall. Though my enemies surround me, my God surrounds my enemies. Though they may come at me one way, they will flee from me seven ways because no weapon formed against me will prosper. And every evil thing that rises up against me will be condemned. I will will fight 
The cross is before me and the world is behind me. I will never turn back. I'll never give up. I'll never settle. I will never stop short. I will press toward the mark of the prize that is already mine. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation shall be able to separate me from the love of my God. And if God is for me, who can be against me? I will fight. Tonight, I want to anoint you with oil. I want you to come out of your pews and come to the center aisle and leave about a foot or so so I can come down there. They're going to start singing. Just get two lines straight back here. That's what I need, two lines. You're going through the fight of your life. All of hell is rising up against you. All of hell has been unleashed upon your children. It's been unleashed upon your finances and the health in your body. I want you to know Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm here to remind you that you're not alone. You might be a deacon in this church. You might be a pastor in this church. And this oil that we're going to rub is anointing oil. In fact, Gethsemane, somebody said Gethsemane, actually is defined, the garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane in Aramaic is defined as the oil press. That's where the word Gethsemane comes from. And that's exactly what was happening with Jesus. There was a pressing going on in our Savior. There was an anointing that was coming out of him to face what he was about to face. You're not alone in the name of Jesus. And that concludes today's podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening. Davenport, lead worship pastor here at Christian Life Austin, inviting you to check out our new single, Resurrected One, available now on iTunes and at cdbaby.com.